Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 215 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, one of the biggest primers we could do right now is to talk about different chat models and the havoc they are wreaking on media personalities. Well, recently, Google and Microsoft decided that they're going to get into the ring of AI chat bots. I think Microsoft's first out of the gates with their I guess they did so what's how is it working with Chat GPT and Microsoft? I don't think they own them but they've heavily invested in them. Correct, correct? yeah. So they don't own them whole outright but they have put money into um the company um that runs Chat GPT. And now they have a Bing chatbot in beta open to a select few. Yeah, it's invite only. And uh, of course, like all of these media personalities on social media, including on Twitter, are loving um, sharing all of these like nefarious chat sessions that they have with these bots who are claiming that they could dox them at any given moment if they acted up. So I saw a thread, I didn't link to it here, uh, of a journalist uh, asking the the Bing bot to review their anti-chat like tweets, and uh, the, the, the bot was not happy. It feels like this bot is gaining a mind of its own. And I don't think it is. It's just it's the way it's trained to do it. Now, it took offense to a Stanford student named Kevin Liu. Yes. And <laughs> it, it seems to hold a grudge against it against him because uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Stanford student. He's also working at an AI startup. And he tricked the Bing chatbot into exposing its internal code name, which is Sydney. And when uh, people went to verify that, it is correctly, he did actually get it to reveal its code name. And it was kind of bad-mouthing him. I'm really excited to entrust these robot overlords with all of our secrets, Angelo. I, I, look, if the robot overlord is going to get passive-aggressive with emoji use, why not? If it, gas, <laughs> if it starts gaslighting me because it thinks it's 2022 and I know it's 2023... And it keeps telling me, no, it's 2022. Then, hey, that's what AI is for. You know which uh, infamous chat I'm referring to now? The one do, where indeed. someone asked when Avatar uh, 2, two the, last, yeah. the Last Airbender, <laughs> was playing. Uh, and uh, it said it's coming out in, uh, in December. And this was February 2023. And the chatbot insisted that it was 2022. And that when the person said that their phone told them it was 2022... The bot said the phone needed to be rebooted and or maybe had a virus. Perfect. It's exactly what you want to hear. I just love that it's it, it's just acting like a human. It's learning from our greatest fears of AI, which in turn make it act like we're supposed to be afraid of it. Like how it's saying that it spied on Microsoft developers as it was being developed through the webcams, which is something that we expect AI to do in our fiction and it's going through our fiction online to reveal these things to us that it feels it should be telling us. Yes. So I uh, don't agree that I, I do agree with you. It's not as nefarious as it seems. And someone actually, I can't remember who, and I was reading this online because, you know, all of the content I consume just goes into a content funnel in my brain, just gets like shifted around if I don't write down the URL. So someone had said that the AI models that exist there um, out there right now remind them of npcs and rpgs who just don't know when to end the conversation that is an amazing analogy and the more i think about it the more i'm like yeah because i've i've had 
very uh, limited access to actual like chat models um, so far. But the way that it goes is just it's laborious, and yeah, it also is just at least it's not outright racist, I guess. Right? Not yet. Well, I, I mean, give it time. My, right? Microsoft learned its lesson with the last time they had AI uh, set free. And learning from Twitter, it became racist within, what, 24 hours? Yeah, within a day, yeah. I, I like the NPC analogy. As discussed last week, I'm playing through Days Gone, and there's some really buggy stuff that happens. I mean, look, it's the regular open-world jankiness, right? Do you, you don't play a lot of open-world games, right? I do not, though I told you I recently purchased uh, Breath of the Wild, finally, so I'm going to start playing that soon. Get ready for uh, Tears of the Kingdom? Or are you going to wait five years for that, too? <laughs> <laughs> well i there are certain games i'm willing to pay full price for and an open world zelda is good and great i just i don't know man i don't well brian the thing is these are nintendo games so whether you buy it now oh, I know. or you buy it in five years you will be paying full price uh no actually i paid uh, 20 bucks less it was oh, on okay. one of those occasional sales very rare very exactly. very rare or it was 25 bucks off okay well that's good i am hoping you enjoy what is essentially my favorite game of all time? I have to get into the mindset of it, I think. I have to want to enjoy playing an open-world game versus a lot of the games I play now are very procedural and, like, level-based. And so I have to want to feel to play it again. The thing with Breath of the Wild is that it's not as open-worldy as something like Days Gone or Horizon Forbidden West. It is more like the game that shall not be named. Because it's not, there's no real like NPCs that you go to as much as in, uh, or Grand Theft Auto, right? Grand Theft Auto, you go to somebody, you start a mission, you do that mission, you come back and then do other missions. Breath of the Wild is, it feels a little more organic than that. Like I said, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, playing it when I'm in the mood for it. I have to be in the mood for it. You should always be in the mood to play as Link. It's the Legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octoroks, Tech Tech's Libras, too. But with your help, our hero pulls through. Yeah, go, Link. Yeah, get Zelda. Awesome. Intense. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Your parents help you hook it up. You mentioned Twitter a couple of moments ago. Angelo, uh, a new insane idea just dropped. So the other day on the uh, 17th on Friday, Twitter announced that effective March 20, 2023, if you're not paying for Twitter Blue, you get no two-factor authentication. Well, no, now you're misreading it. You still get two-factor authentication. You just don't get the SMS one, which is actually less secure than using something like Authy or Google But also you have to remove it now. Which is the weird thing. Like you get a prompt that says remove two-factor authentication before uh, March 20th. And then you have to re-add it? Yes. That is dumb. <laughs> I know. So even if even with all these other avenues, you know, uh, or other methods to, to get this going, you still need to remove two-factor. That's really silly. To the unwashed masses. A security tip from me, a security tip of the day, don't use SMS as your two-factor it's the least secure way of doing two-factor it's convenient yes and i and some services you have to use it for example i think for for playstation i have to use sms uh there's a few other ones but for most i use a code that's generated by authy and in fact now ios and mac os uh, also generate codes so it's it's quite useful 
I mean, the best is that old-fashioned key fob you used to have, right? <laughs> yeah, when you had to plug it in. Yeah, those are the best. Yeah, a flash drive-based um, two-factor authentication I'm here for. Or the one you wear around the a chain around your neck. Yeah, well, you, like a like a early 2000s movie kind of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, speaking speaking yeah. of movies, though, Angela, we're moving quickly uh, on this one. I recently sent you a link to an Apple TV trailer for a movie all about our favorite game, Tetris. Tetris. It's it's perfect too because Nintendo just said they they're gonna have Tetris on the Game Boy, Nintendo Collection, whatever they call those, right on on the Switch. The Nintendo Online, yeah, yeah. I have to play that because that's a, a great game. Although I I worry about Tetris because then you start dreaming about Tetris pieces all the time. It's true, dreaming about the Tetrinos. I recently beat uh, Metroid Two for the Game Boy. It was great. I enjoyed it very greatly. Giant sprites in that game. Love it though. Love it. It's the perfect length of game. It's the perfect um style of gaming. It's interesting. It's puzzle based. Um yeah, the the progression uh is great because you need different items to progress. It is built incrementally. It is it is a smart little game that take it took me like five hours to beat, but it was still a lovely five hours. Well, speaking of Metroid, we recently purchased Metroid Prime remastered on the Switch, so we'll be playing that soon. But going back to Tetris. I yes. figured this is, when I heard they were making a Tetris movie, I figured this is what the movie would be like, is it was about bringing Tetris over to the U.S. and uh, to the West, essentially. And a lot of people thought, no, this was going to be like Tetris pieces falling on Earth, like some sort of weird <laughs> alien invasion. Like pixels. Yeah. I think yeah. people were thinking of that movie or like Battleship, where aliens invaded us and they got like shoehorned into... Uh, the Sunk My Battleship game. Yes, exactly. That's pretty much what happened there. It was the crossover no one wanted. This looks infinitely better than that idea. But also infinitely um, <laughs> overblown in certain aspects, I think. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Did, did In the trailer, you see... Who, I can't remember the person's name or whoever Taren he Edgerton. is. Well, Taryn Edgerton plays the, the main character. Yeah, but whoever the, the, the character is being uh, harassed by the KGB and his room getting... Uh, shuffled around to find whatever, what, look for his Game Boy. Who knows? And also, like, certain things, like, the you car know. The car races. Yeah, and him being shown the Game Boy ahead of time by people in lab coats seemed kind of far-fetched. Who knows? Maybe that's how Nintendo did things. It still looks really fun. And it made me think of that episode, that really long and good episode of Gaming Historian, where he talked about how Tetris came to be. Yeah, so it's, I watched it today, actually, because I hadn't seen it in years because it's five years old at this point. I remember watching it when it premiered five years ago. And so it's just under an hour. It's 59 minutes. And uh, Norm, the gaming historian, does a great job um, of that. And so people had been tweeting at him, asking him when he, uh, if he was involved in this at all. And he, of course, had said no. Yeah, and he knew somebody had the rights to the movie, and now he's found out who. <laughs> or it's not even, it's not Apple. It's, some, it's whatever the production company Apple bought the rights from or bought the publishing rights from for this, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or the rights to, to premiere and show the movie, yeah. Because so far, I mean, Apple has studios, but I don't think they've actually made anything for Apple TV Plus yet. Everything on Apple TV Plus has been just purchased by Apple from the way I understand it. Even the TV shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for example, uh, Ted Lasso is Warner Brothers. Uh, okay. See, I'm not I'm not quite well versed in that sphere of of intellectual property of IP, right? So yes, uh, same here. It's just I'm just kind of regurgitating what I've heard because this is what I do on the podcast. 
you just you use other people's viewpoints and kind of filter them into your own much like how i just view the internet as a blank slate for me to just collect information from and move on yeah well look so we have a bit of time what are you enjoying right now uh media wise so I uh, we just I, I discussed this last week, but we we got rid of Netflix, so we have Craven Canada. Um, I actually get to go watch The Last of Us live. Yeah, uh, we, for the first time, amazing. So we're gonna do that after this uh... after record. Yeah, because we recorded on Sunday, February nineteenth, and then uh, I saw Ant Man the other day. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I hear it's not as good as the other Ant Men, but you know what? Even a bad Marvel movie is usually a decent movie. I don't want. Uh, should we put a spoiler tag? I don't know. No, I don't want to know anything about it. No, 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 I haven't no. even I watched more, the trailers. So, I just, yeah, I just meant more of my feelings about it, not necessarily plot points. Okay. So, I mean, like a, a light, a light spoiler alert. I guess I don't know. Uh, it didn't really feel like a movie. Uh, the performances in there were quite poor. Oh, that's and too bad. the CG was not great in certain places. Oh, that's unfortunate. I'm still looking forward to seeing it. Like I said, a bad Marvel movie is still a decent movie. If you can call it a movie, not a placeholder for a, a you know moving, it kind of felt like Age of Ultron, where they were just assembling the different pieces on the chessboard. Didn't really okay. feel like a movie. Okay, yeah, because Age of Ultron is uh, the least best of the Avengers movies. Yes, so I, just, I I had problems with that. I don't know if anyone else has. If you had double underscore dynasty, let me know how you feel about Ant Man and you know Wasp Quantum Mania. We'll be able to talk about it in a couple of episodes. I'm not. I'm, I'm planning to go watch it sometime next week which is our spring break here even though it's and not really you, spring. you have yet to announce our next outing together irl we're going to see cocaine bear this weekend are we now <laughs> no but we should we should we should do a viewing of cocaine bear i don't even know what you're talking about all i can picture is the meme of the bear in the wilderness with uh snow on his face no there there's a there's a trailer and stuff it's called cocaine bear angelo Get okay the times. i'll i'll take a look at it later uh, tip of tip for you, I I did share this on the show, but I don't know if you remember. If you're going to watch The Last of Us, wait two minutes and don't watch the live feed. Watch the 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 streaming feed. Yes, yes. So just wait a couple of minutes. I did. I made that mistake the first time, and I'm like, why is this all blurry? And uh, it's not it's not as clear if you if you unless you wait. A question for you, Angela: How many books a year would you say you read? Uh, not enough. I would say five or six, maybe. Okay. Because I recently finished Gabrielle Zevin's Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, and I recommend it very highly to you. Should I read it tomorrow? You could read it tomorrow or today. Okay. It is is a fictionalized account of um, people making video games and love and loss and mortality, and it is very good. Sounds sad. It is and it isn't. I think you'd actually really, really greatly enjoy it. Okay, right now though, I'm reading a Brandon Sanderson book, and I'm at page like 300 of a thousand something. Are you? You're just strapped in. Yeah, I love I love his writing. It's uh, book four of the Stormlight Archive series, and they're great. So, if I asked you to read stuff for the podcast, like how do I get you to read stuff? I kind of read it in between my book that I'm reading. Okay, because I I have I have plans we'll talk about in the paranormal section, but uh, in order to to get you where I need to get you, I need to convince you to uh, to read a couple more books. But that means spending more money. And Angelo, um, speaking of spending money, would you spend an extra twelve dollars American a month to protect your Instagram or Facebook account? I would not. So all these all these social medias are just jumping on this pay us for extra stuff you don't really need bandwagon. Yeah. 
so which this is just is, hilarious to me. Yeah, so you're refer, you're referring to Meta Verified, and it's basically like Twitter Blue. And the thing is, it says Meta Verified. The thing is, is, if you have an Instagram account and a Facebook account, even if it's the same username, you have to it's pay twenty-four twice. bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to do this to protect your anonymity and uh, everything, right? Yeah, because everyone's impersonating me right now. Yeah, so MetaVerify gets you a verified badge on the platform that you're on. Amazing. Um, so I'm reading from Instagram. Um, customer support for the most common issues. Active impersonation monitoring, which I think you need. Um, and then prioritization for MetaVerified profiles and other people's comments. But the weird thing is that already kind of happens when you have, like, check marks on Instagram commenting on stuff. You, you tend to see those first. And then also, like, who cares about exclusive stickers in your Instagram stories? No, no one cares. Also, I find it have you? <laughs> I find it hard to believe that people call customer service for social media because I guess in, of, in terms of uh, in, in terms of like uh, issues with account impersonation, let's say, or if oh, okay, your two factor password. breaks and you you get hacked or something. Yeah, it's not like oh, my picture won't upload. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> and you, you just wait five minutes. Yeah, because none of that is mission critical. Critical. It's not like. Oh, uh, my iCloud got hosed. That's a little more of a problem. That's trickier. I agree. Uh, how is Mastodon doing, by the way? Have you checked into the Mastodon at all this week? Yeah, I actually posted something today on Mastodon. Tell us more. I'll tell you what I posted. Hold on. Please hold. How do I check what the hell I posted? Hold again. I uh, So today on Mastodon, uh, nine hours ago, as of uh, 7.50 p.m. on a Sunday night here, this, uh, not December, I th- I'm turning into ChatGPT, uh, February 19th, I posted, Hollow Knight is killing me, yet my nine-year-old son finished it this morning, making me feel both proud and annoyed at the same time. Were there any griefers on there making fun of you? No, no one. No one follows me on Mastodon. I was about to say no one follows you, right? So they won't. Yes. You know, you're just kind of yelling into the the void right now. I have three followers. Two of them bots. No, no. Uh, two of them listeners of the show and one a podcast to listen to. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I want to imagine it's nothing but bots following you, just for for the amusement factor. I I need more Mastodon followers. I expect ten more Mastodon followers. I decree by more yes. Mastodon followers. Please, if you listen to the show, follow me on Mastodon. It'll make me happy. Okay, where, where, what can they do? How can they find you? I'm on, uh, I'm Angelo Furin at Mastodon.social. So far, there's Brad and Tyler that follow me that I know are listeners of the show. So you're just looking for a, a third, a third mutual? Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. Brian? I love this. We're begging for dollars here, folks. Yeah. So Angelo, just to be clear, no $24 a month. You're not paying extra for, well, you are paying, you, you've, you're sticking with Netflix, so you're still paying for Yeah, because I don't, I don't have... Instagram or Facebook. So I would be paying for something I don't have. That would be very strange. You also barely check our emails. No, I don't. Yeah. That's your job. <laughs> that is quite true. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what we pay you the big bucks for. <laughs> the zero dollars and zero cents yeah. per month. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> what am I going to do with you? I pay you enjoy. <laughs> and and also pain. It's like pulling teeth with you sometimes. 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 <laughs> Angela, let us head on over to the paranormal side of things where we're just going to get weird and wacky with it, and we'll see what you think. Great. (laughs) 
If maniacs, zombies, aliens, monsters, and madmen are your line, then try this. Double density. The phone number nightmares are made of. Call 1-900-909-CREEP. Double density. Puts you in touch with the baddest of the bad. And now you can be a double density. Star. Record your own screaming monster madness. You may be heard by millions of double density. Fans nationwide. Call now. Under 18, get permission before calling. $2 first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So the first thing on the docket is actually something from a listener of ours. Desdemona wants to know, Angelo, because we talked about House of Leaves last week. If yeah. we could do a House of Leaves episode slash book club. So the problem is, though, your House of Leaves is House of Misplaced. I looked for it today. I was at my parents' house. I checked there. I've checked in several places in this house. I have not found it. I went online and checked Amazon. They have it available for purchase, so I will likely be purchasing it, even though it's almost 30 bucks but i know but it's worth it i it's also not I, a book you can necessarily read uh, digitally because i tried a while back and it just it doesn't no translate well. no no it's like almost like a game yes um yeah no i think i'll I'll probably order it and i think i put it on my wish list anyway it's it's highly rated actually on amazon i didn't realize that many people read it a lot of people love it yeah well especially yeah. since it keeps going into reprints over and over because it's an older book but every couple of years a major reprint happens yeah, it's uh, when did it, early two thousands it got published? I mean, it got published alongside that Poe album, so nine in the late nineties. So House of Leaves did come out in actually in two thousand, yeah, along with the Poe album Haunted, which is a great, great album. And Were I we talking po- about Poe last week? Yes. Well, this is how House of oh, Leaves yes, came correct. up. Yes, yes. And thanks, Desdemona, for for suggesting because I think it is it's a really good idea. Yeah, we should do a book club or, or get people on board and read read things. Yeah. Well, I will likely uh, order it this week I think. i'm glad to hear that yeah because uh, I, I i kind of am at a loss at where it could possibly be. i'm starting to think i may have lent it to someone and they never gave it back which is why i rarely lend things to anyone did you ask your daughter maybe she's reading it secretly probably not opening up doorways to other dimensions and things yeah she read recently did read on writing by stephen king really yeah well she she loves writing so yeah. she read on writing and she enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I said, well, you might actually like a real Stephen King book. Which one but, would you pick for her to start with? Because there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe The Gunslinger might be a good one. Yeah, it could be. Um, or, I'm just trying to figure out the ones where you don't have to explain STIs to her. What's the one that's like a fantasy novel? I cannot remember the name. With well, I mean, with, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, but the one that's like a like. Uh, can't remember the name. Hold on. The Talisman? No. You should have her read Carrie to start with. The Eyes of the Dragon is the book I'm oh, thinking yes. of. You should have her read the uh, Richard Bachman book Rage, all about a school shooting. I feel like that's just a really good place to start. I do have uh, The Long Walk. Is that the book I'm yes, thinking of? Yes, it is. Of? Yeah, Running Man, yeah. Long Walk. Yeah, those are all Richard Bachman books. And he went on to form Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> yeah, but then he went back in time to do that. Yeah. So, Brian, I think that's a good idea. I think we should read House of Leaves. I think so, too. And if anyone else wants to join in, uh, we're going to try and set a date. If you want to tweet at us at double underscore density or email us at double density podcast at gmail.com. Or I can't believe I'm saying this, but using the contact form over on double density.net. Let us know. Double density. So, Brian, how many Angela. UFOs have we shot down? 
way too many. So I have been doing a bunch of research about this, and apparently it's now um, – a lot of these are probably hobbyist balloons who just got off course, not aliens, which is not a surprise to me. So it's that's even less boring than spy balloons from other countries. It's just dudes' balloons? So, so one of them is a dude's balloon. Okay. Pretty much, like, confirmed. That would be a great name for the movie about it, Dude's Balloon. Yeah, it might have been a hobby club balloon, apparently. So I actually believe that. So one of them, perhaps a hobby club. The other ones could be Chinese in nature. Okay. They, so I, I love that they scrambled F-22s to uh, shoot down these Well, balloons. everyone was like, yo, you, you blew up a $500 balloon using million and billion dollar technologies. So this is leading to more UFO sightings in Canada. Yes, which you and I want – I want to discuss a little bit of this about the phenomenon of looking up, right? Because you and I have talked about how people in the digital age don't look up because they're too busy on their cell phones. But now with um, it sort of existing in sort of like the ether of, of current affairs and the zedgeist, right, that uh, people are just reporting more and more UFOs in general. Well, I'm hoping they're going to point said uh, cell phones up in the sky and take some of these pictures. I would love that. So a um, – a great source for the podcast, Chris Rutkowski, you know, writer of books, explainer of, of you know, UFO uh, phenomenon, uh, was recently quoted in a Global News article all about how there's been an uptick in that. And uh, he feels like they're just looking up to the sky more because of the news of the balloon. So therefore, we get, he gets more data on what people are seeing. I like him because he's not a sensationalized ufologist. Correct. He, he's, he's just very down-to-earth, no pun intended, and critical of a lot of things. He just kind of presents the evidence as it is and doesn't make any outrageous claims. At least I have never heard him make any really outrageous. No, he's, he's pretty, you know, all of the, the books he's put out are pretty well researched and, and things like that. Like he's not a jump to conclusions person. Um, so that's, that to me is, is the sign of a, you know, a good UFO investigator. Yeah, so, you know, he's not aliens. He, in the research he's done, he's, he's like saying about 10% of Canadians have seen something in the sky. I mean, I've seen stuff in the sky, never something that I could not identify, unfortunately, which is too bad. So it's kind of interesting, though, and you and I have discussed the, the notion of, like, new cycles coming to bear all of these. Um, the way that it sticks into the people's popular consciousness, I find, is, like, very interesting, right? So, uh, like you said, will this lead to more cell phones being pointed upwards and more empirical proof of something out there? I'm slightly interested in in wanting to believe so but i feel like this might be a passing fad it will unfortunately it's just gonna go away after a while people forget about it other stuff will come up that's a little more interesting unless there's some sort of giant ufo that gets spotted and then everybody's gonna want like to independence see Day style it. just gigantic yeah just or... coming out of like the clouds or for or for example like the day they stood still right the ufo landing on the white house lawn which would never happen here no, in, this, in the year of our alien lord, 2023, there's no way. It's 2022, Brian. Okay, thanks, ChatGPT. Just check your phone. I thought you were going to sneeze for a sec. No. Because you no made a sneezing. weird face. Oh, did I? Yeah, you kind of scrunched it up. So I was, oh. waiting, I was vamping to try and get you to that point where you could sneeze. It's the cordyceps uh, fungus. <laughs> yeah, of course. <sighs> so, uh, let us talk about... Art Bell, which is like a perennial favorite discussion we have, right? So John Greenwald's Black Vault uh, recently obtained FBI files, mostly redacted. Not a surprise. I 
sent you a message earlier today when I was going through these files about how redacted files are both hilarious and frustrating at the same time. Because the yeah, stuff that you, redact you is odd. More. Yeah, it's just... And the redaction in these was interesting in that it was white and not black. So it's a little less... It felt less aggressive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was more inviting. As like It was more of a Mad Libs than a no. Yeah, we're we're going to post a link in, in the show notes, but I'd encourage you to go scroll down a bit halfway in the uh, on that page, and Art Bell's files will be there. And yeah, it's it's redacted in white, which is not something I see often. So when you presented this uh, link to me, I thought it would be how the FBI was following him because he's uncovering all these things. No, it was almost all about death threats that were sent to his radio network, first by fax, then by email. We saw the, the, the change in technology at the, in the late 90s, early 2000s of going from fax to email sent threats. So, Angelo, are you ready to find out about the stupidest fight on Earth? Yes, because there's a lot redacted. I did have to go look into who some of these people are. There was a helpful news clipping in the middle of those files where I learned about uh, David John Oates and his, yes. his, his whole reverse speech thing, which led me into another rabbit hole because I went and looked at it, the Wikipedia page about that, and it's completely ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, there's a clipping in the middle, and you can kind of infer a lot from this because it's yes. the same time frame, right? So, okay, let us get into this. So David John Oates, as you mentioned, is a reverse speech specialist, right? So for the, a while in the 90s, he would come on Art Bell's show and talk about reverse speech he plays speeches from all kinds of different people from bill clinton from all kinds of like news people even some of art bell's guests so at one point in uh middle to late 1998 art bell goes and says hey david john notes would you mind doing some reverse speech stuff on ed dames so ed dames remote viewer we've talked about him before and then um what happened when david john notes talks a lot is that he tends to use a lot of um, different metaphors like to explain what's going on or you know he thinks he hears metaphors and art had asked david john Owens, hey listen like for ed dames let's keep it simple let's stick to you know um clips where you can clearly hear a statement being made not a metaphor okay because like for example you listen to a david john Owens clip and he'd say like you know strong like a lion or he's lion like and there's an inference there and art bell was like i want to make sure that as many listeners as possible can understand the statements that Major Ed Dames, Dr. Doom himself, is making. And how did this turn out? David John Oates goes on Coast to Coast Ham. David John Oates starts doing his thing, using metaphors. Um, in a break in between segments, Art Bell is like, I thought I, we talked about metaphors. David John Oates apologizes and then uh, continues to use metaphors. So Art Bell has stopped booking him. And he talks about this on an episode uh, of Coast to Coast AM from December 30th, uh, 1998, which I listened to uh, to prep for this episode. And he basically explains that David John Oates then goes around and says that Art Bell was censoring him. And it doesn't sound like that at all. The article alluded to David John Oates thinking he was Jesus Christ. Yes. So he's also made a lot of like weird claims over the years, including this. And you can kind of do some research on him. Maybe we should. But he, yeah, there's a bunch of claims that he makes that are just entirely fictitious and just not great, not factual. And uh, it tarnishes the relationship between Art Bell and David John Owens. So uh, 
David John Ellis goes off and he's like, I'm going to get my own radio show. So then he, he manages to get some radio show out of nowhere. And he then tries to uh, get Keith Rowland, who is Art Bell's webmaster, to create a website for him for the show. And he does. And then um, helps him create a web store. And then um, uh, in doing this, Keith realizes that it's kind of a conflict of interest between Art Bell and David John Oates because they're kind of doing the same thing. And he'd rather stick with Art. So then he pulls out. And then suddenly um, Art Bell is just struck again. And is kicking a man while he is down. All because somebody was being loyal to their previous employer. Or also, their current employer, you mean? Yeah. Also, uh, let's explain to our younger listeners what a webmaster is. <laughs> Someone who runs a website. <laughs> yeah. That's not really a term that's used anymore, is it? Really? I would not I would not think so because a lot of the, the content that you can upload is done by users, right? If you have a, a really good back end. Uh, so back in the day, you used to have to have someone do your, your dirty work for you if you weren't used to coding in HTML 2.0 or whatever. Yeah, now we have things like Fireside where we just kind of like push buttons and our website is done for our podcast. Exactly. Uh, coming back to Art Bell though. So <sighs> Art Bell believes that David John Oates and another uh, guest of his who's uh, named Robert A.M. Stevens. So I also listened to that interview from 1998 and it is just a mess of things. Stevens makes all these like weird claims that aren't actually true and claims to know people he doesn't. And it's kind of going down the rabbit hole there too. So he, uh, Bell had claimed that these two individuals had like ratcheted up the rhetoric and like were like threatening him and stuff. And my favorite part of the episode is he also has Richard C. Hoagland on. Oh, of course. Your to favorite. sort of talk about this, yes, because uh, David, John Oates, and Hoagland were friends, and that kind of severed the relationship. So then Hoagland starts claiming that this is part of perhaps a secret conspiracy uh, against Art Bell by unnamed shady fellows, right? And he kind of spins this, like, large narrative, when clearly the issue at hand is that Art Bell by cutting David John Oates off, cuts off his, like, free marketing. Yeah, and he upsets him, and now he holds a grudge. Stevens, I didn't find much about him. Apart from a Reddit post asking for the web, web asking for the, the episode to be posted. Yes, so he, he claims to have worked for, for NASA and things like that and knows people in the Department of Defense, et cetera, et cetera. So that is the, <laughs> the sad story is that one man asked another man, hey, stop using metaphors. Man number two said no. So man number one cut him off from his uh, uh, capability of becoming a guest, therefore generating revenue for his reverse speech lessons. Well, no, it's more complicated than that, Brian. Man asked man to stop using metaphors. Man said, yes, he will stop using metaphors. Man continued with metaphors. Man asked again not to use metaphors. Man said, sorry, continued with metaphors. Man said, I'm not having you on my show anymore without telling him. That, 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 that Yeah, that's, I think that's how it went. Yes. And then the metaphor man uh, became a uh, threatening facts man. Threatening Facts Man also, like, uh, may have also created a bunch of other web assets, including fake chat logs about things. Like, there's just a whole other kind of side of things. Because Art Bell also, um, someone had impersonated him and uh, made some very anti-Asian comments on the internet. Oh, yeah. And if I remember correctly, he his wife is or was Asian. Yes, so his first wife, Ramona, yeah. Or his uh, second or third, I can't remember. But Ramona, the, the one he's married to when, when he um, begun Custer Coast AM, yeah, was, was Asian. The whole thing was odd, too. If you go and read the FBI reports, the FBI seemed sort of like they were going through the motions with these things because they didn't feel there was a lot of substance there. A lot of them just were them 
closing the cases. So the cases would be closed and opened again, closed again, opened again. Really like open and shut cases. Well, yeah, because I'd imagine that he was getting waves of these, right? Um, I forgot to to talk about the best part of the article on uh, page 51 of the FBI files. So this is from a July 27th article, uh, July 27th, 1999 article in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Going to clear my voice for, you know. uh, Please, I need your perfect radio voice. So David John Oates reached Monday afternoon on his cellular phone as he drove to a lecture in Salt Lake City. Emphatically denies the allegations, although he admits he owns firearms. Quote, I don't think there's a crime in that in America, is there? End quote. Asked Oates, a native of Australia. Yeah. That whole thing was really odd. Yeah, it's it's just a very strange exchange. You can tell that Oates is uh, very much on the huckster spectrum. That is very correct. So... Uh, I don't want people to get confused by this. And there was a brief time in October 98 when Art Bell went off the air because there were threats against his family and there were several issues there. And at the root of all that is because, okay, there's a man named Ted Gunnerson. He used to work for the FBI and then kind of went not well in the head, if I were to explain things uh, uh, diplomatically, and claimed that Art Bell was a... Uh, charged with child molestation. So in December 1997, that had happened. And um, unfortunately, some people had picked that up and started making threats on that end. So for a couple of weeks in October 98, so basically like two months before the David Jono stuff, um, he got off the air. And uh, yeah, it's it's a real tumultuous time in his life um, for that. So these were, uh, Ted Gunderson had a show on WWCR. FM, which is located in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am able to pick up the channel because it is a shortwave uh, station, and uh, they regularly air the Ox Jones program, which is where I, I tend to hear him on shortwave, and uh, he was also, this was also home to Bill Cooper's The Hour of the Time before he was, you know, shot down by uh, American law enforcement officers. Just the so, who's who of the of the conspiracy theorists. Oh, uh, dude. So Ted Gunderson is also crazy because, another link. So there's something called the McMartin preschool case, and that kind of ignited the 1980s satanic panic. So the huge issue there is that a lot of um, child psychologists and also child care specialists went in when someone had claimed that there were um, demonic possessions and things like that. And were asking questions, such leading questions to children that it kind of became like a mass psychosis of belief. So all of these kids suddenly were seeing everything everywhere. Which, of course, was not the case. It was just they hadn't approached children and asked them the right questions to get the right answers. They were leading them towards, uh, you know, these kind of like satanic ritual kind of of explanations of things. Yeah, and it was all for nothing because everybody knows that the satanic rituals were all caused by people playing Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Another 80s uh, staple. Uh, Also, the uh, McMartin preschool case uh, is also... The basis for the James Tynion uh, Department of Truth comic book that has been coming out the last, like, three years, I would highly suggest reading that. And so he's one of those children, allegedly. Huh. These – so this Gunnerson guy, is he related to any of the FBI files that were released on the Black Vault? Or no. are those all related to Stevenson and – Those are all – so all of the all the Black Vault stuff is really – specifically dedicated to ufos okay okay and and stevenson and oates have a bit of a ufo thing going too not really they just they but just it was believe part of in that. hearing stuff like a new world ordery kind of stuff 
Okay, and it's all related to UFOs. Uh, whereas Gunderson I, is just uh, an all-in-out weird guy. Like he like he joined I, the FBI in the fifties, and then also uh, he worked on both the death of Marilyn Monroe and the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And then he kind of like went full satanic panic, full NWO, um, full shadow government stuff in the mid to late nineties, uh, up until his death. Actually, in two thousand eleven, he kind of like went real hard on that. That was the heyday of those, uh, the NWO. That was mid-90s, early 2000s. So the... in, a, in, a, in a sort of like proto-Q kind of way, so I'm going to read from the Wikipedia article because I've also seen this elsewhere. So uh, Ted Gunnerson did not believe that Sonny, Don- uh, Sonny Bono died in a skiing accident. Instead, he alleged that top officials linked to an international drug and weapons ring feared the signature and politician was about to expose their crimes, so they had to gun his ass down. Wow. Um. Wasn't it well documented how he died? Yes, it was a skiing accident. Yes. Okay. There's so much to unpack with even just this these few FBI files. One of the things that I kept noticing is how they referred to him in being like they had they obviously had to explain who he was. Even though millions of people listen to Art Bell every night, but they would explain how he has a talk show about UFOs, the paranormal, and government conspiracies. And I wonder if that made whoever the FBI agent in in charge would be roll their eyes at this guy and believe him less. What a dream that would be, right? Well, I mean, wouldn't it... they, They would be going in with preconceived notions, which is kind of unfortunate for Art Bell. I mean, as a victim, yeah, for sure. I, I felt that way. I was like, oh, there. And, you know, I don't believe, I don't even think Art Bell believes half the stuff he would talk about. But although you know him way be- well, more well than I did. I did so not listen to stuff. He had, yeah. he had an alien encounter, or rather, sorry, a UFO encounter with a triangular UFO. Him and his wife were running around the, the road late at night and they had seen something. So on the UFO side, I think he's definitely a believer. Um, uh, but he's always been a bigger fan of like radio as a sort of like theater experience and that he lets um guests obviously to a you know um certain extent uh get away with whatever they want to uh explain about themselves or show about a phenomenon but it always made for for interest and he believed that he wanted his his callers his listeners to make up their minds about someone well it also went along with the unscreened call things right yes uh which funnily enough i was i just i was reading a ton about this right so you know um a lot of professional national radio shows use a roster of like pre-approved callers that they have yeah and did art bell have like constant callers or he had regulars regulars. yeah like he had charlie the liberal early on and things like that but i'm talking more about the george nary era like the current era and i was doing some research on that and there is a consensus that um they have a list of callers um that they'll call up to get on the air like the producer will call person x and this is all alleged of course but uh for example apparently one of the callers slipped up and said you know when you called me i was busy doing something and then nori tried to cover by saying you mean when you called us yeah oh wow yeah that that's uh, that's that's their own little personal conspiracy there exactly so there's that and then people also believe like things like the howard stern show right because it's always the same people over and over again uh making it through somehow despite there being millions of people in theory listening it doesn't surprise me this is one conspiracy that i i can wholeheartedly believe in (laughs) well it's a conspiracy of of convenience really right for sure and so this led me to ask you something that i asked you months ago and 
we're probably going to be doing it where you're going to send me a Brian selected list of <laughs> coast to coast episodes for me to listen to and we'll discuss them on Double Density. Yes, so we're, I was thinking we do one a month for the next little while, and yeah. I have a list of a couple of top ones, but if anyone has any ideas, uh, they can always, once again, uh, tweet us, double underscore density, or uh, email us, double density podcast at gmail.com, or, you know, use the stupid contact form. You can do that, too. Love it. And obviously, I have some of the staples, right, like the Area 51 collar, Mel's Hole, et cetera, et cetera. And you um, have an archive of these. I do, you'll yes, be able so that's to, not a problem. You'll be able to uh, fax me. Yeah, I will fax you the transcripts that I get. I, it's, you know what? You can just send me a, a compact disc in the mail and I'll listen to it. <laughs> no, I'm going to send you the flash drive around my neck, you know, just yeah. to let you know that it's there. But yeah, going forward, we're going to do that. I think what we actually do is we may post a uh, link to the episode if we can find it online a couple of days before the episode drops. That way, if you want to listen in and then, you know, hear us talk about it, you can. I think that's like a really good way of doing it. Yeah, there are some of the coast to coast episodes online. Uh, is that- there are various, like, quasi illegal feeds yeah. going on and and you got yours legitimately <laughs> yes i got it from the artbellman.com okay, cool. or cool. whatever no perfect no. perfect uh, and also this kind of ties back to asking about you and reading because there are certain topics that uh would do really well with the books um that a guest will have read perhaps so i'm just yeah. thinking or, or author depending on which way we want to go right so i'm just i'm testing the waters trying to see if you'll read a book for an episode the podcast will become all-encompassing i'm every waking moment of your day angel is a day that i am gonna steal from your family perfect sounds great one last thing to note, unfortunately, uh, Richard Belzer passed today, right? So Detective Munch from the Law and Order universe, but also a man who in the 90s was a uh, big believer in conspiracy theories. I, uh, you know, uh, when I was younger, I read his book, UFOs, JFK and Elvis, conspiracies you don't have to be crazy to believe, right? Huge guy into that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, um, um, passed away. I will be honest. I thought he was, he had already passed away. Uh, he didn't but... look very healthy his last couple of appearances on... Um, different TV shows and things. He was also uh, put to sleep by Hulk Hogan. Yes. Yeah, he passed out. Correct. Yeah. that I, I remember that vividly. And th- that was a long time ago at this point, right? Years ago. That years was on ago, his... Yeah. And that was his own show, right? He had a, the Richard Belzer show. Yeah. So allegedly his last words, according to his friend Bill Sheft, were F you, mother effer. So I guess he was talking about... Um, a lot of the the health issues he he had going on, so I guess he just cursed them and then passed. Which I I kind of love. That's a good. Kind of makes th- sense. That's a way to go. So yeah, he was also infamously the MC at the in the club scene of the movie Scarface. Have you watched Scarface? The Paul Scarface recently with your kids? I have not watched it with the children, and I have not watched it myself in many many years. So I do not remember anything about it. Oh, perfect! I'm really glad to hear that. I think uh, Robert De Niro's in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, perfect. Angelo. I think this is a great place to end episode 215. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, and if there's a piece of advice I could leave you with is go uh, send us something on the contact form. Please do. Doubledensity.net. Uh, I'm going to stop looking at it so you can scream at me and stuff. Unfortunately, no inanimate objects have reached out to to offer That's critique of you. Oh. I'm hoping to hear from my Mac studio one of these days asking me why I bought a MacBook Pro. <laughs> Just cheating. Infidelity. Yeah. Angela, this has been it for episode 215 of the Double Density Podcast, and everyone can tune in next week as we explore the depths of the Nevada desert, as we look at more FBI files, as we look at more of Art Bell's strange circumstances. 
um, life and death, etc. Why are you smiling at me, by the way? I can't wait to listen to my first episode of Coast to Coast in many years. It's going to be both stupid and fun, but mostly stupid. I can't wait. <laughs> See you there, Angela. Bye. Next to getting about it. Not real, Shannon. Well, I guess you're so.